Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We are here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 232, the August 1988 issue on sale, April 19th of 1988, cover price a buck. This one's titled Earthfall. Yeah. And on the cover of it, it proudly proclaims that the brood singular is back. It's weird because I would think it would be the brood are back, but I think it's a play on the bitches back. So Ah, yeah, the grammar was throwing me. The brood is back. But yeah, okay. Just the PG version of the bitch is back. Although, is bitch really a swear word or is it just a female dog? Well, it's an Elton John song that was not censored, so I don't know. <laughs> All songs that are on the top 40 radio stations that aren't censored, uh, any word that's not censored is not a swear word. Is that what you're saying? That, that I'm just saying, I'm putting that out there. Take no, the, I, I feel like that's a fair definition. That's probably how I would have defined what is and is not a swear word. That or anything you can say on television, like ABC, NBC, and CBS, but circa 1989. Right, because nowadays you can get away with pretty much anything. Yeah, I mean, as soon as NYPD Blue dropped, uh, game was over. <laughs> These guys are swearing. Showing that old guy's butt all the time. It's crazy. Which one was NYPD Blue? What was the other blue show? Uh, Hill Street Blues? Hill Street Blues, yeah. Uh, Hill Street Blues is like... That was for my mom. Yeah, that's like the OG gritty cop show, but they they kept it in check. You know, they wouldn't swear. It wasn't until NYPD Blue came out, which had uh, Caruso, uh, David Caruso, and the short, bald guy with the mustache. William Shatner. Nope. <laughs> uh, he was, he was, um, who does the- Telly Savalas. No, no. Who's, who's, who does the sexiest man of the year uh, magazine covers? Is that Time or Life or- What? National Geographic. You know, like George Clooney was- Oh, it's People, right? People, people does right. sexiest man of the year. So I think. The, the guy who is short and bald and overweight- I believe he made... Danny DeVito. No. Well, close, but no. I don't remember his name. His his cop name was Sipowitz. I remember that. Oh, okay. Uh, anyways. Oh, Franz... Did he play the thing in the Fantastic Four movie? Was it that guy? Yeah, but but uh, in Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. No. <laughs> no, he... I don't... No, he, he was too short to play the thing. His name was something Franz. Dennis Franz. Boom. There, got it. Oh. I don't know who that is. Oh, well... My nostalgia and uh, recollection is wasted on you. In any event, uh, the brood is back, and on the cover of this is a freaking brood. It's uh, well, it kind of looks like a snake, actually, with red eyes and a lot of teeth. But it's kind of it's kind of badass, I think. Yeah, it's a it's a super cool cover. I mean, it's probably unlike any other cover that you've seen of the X Men. If you squint, and I don't know why I'm seeing this, but if you squint, I feel like I see a gremlin. I mean, gremlin never <laughs> oh. had as uh, a mouth as big as this, but it, like if Stripe got like right up in your face and grinned, I feel like this might be similar to what it looks like. I, I guess. I mean... <laughs> I don't know why I'm seeing that. If Because if, you love the gremlins? 
Yeah. I mean, they, they kind of have a similar, like, uh, the gremlins have a smushed in sort of nose that you don't really see. So yep. this, this has a sort of a smushed in nose area. Uh, but if you, if somebody was to take this image and like extend the face, so it was like a full face and make it like a wraparound t-shirt. Oh man, <laughs> that's a t-shirt. Now, would it still look like a brood? So you have the big weird head? Heck yeah. And then okay. people would be like, oh, I like aliens too. And you'd be like, <laughs> no, this is the brood. And they'd be like, what's the brood? And I'd be like, the brood is back. I don't know. The, it's an alien ripoff. <laughs> You know, I was at Target the other day, speaking of t-shirts and speaking of X-Men t-shirts in particular, um, and I was perusing through their t- uh, the t-shirts as as one does, and there was an X-Men t-shirt uh, there, and, and that's not abnormal. Usually they're pretty stupid and they say like something stupid on them. I, I don't like those shirts to say stupid things on them. Really, I don't like my t-shirts to say anything. I just like it to have either like the logo or just like imagery from whatever thing it is they're doing. But they had a t-shirt that featured an X-Men cover. Um, and I don't have it in front of me, but it's the X-Men cover where it's like, uh, the all new, all different X-Men now with new costumes. It's that issue. Remember Angel's got like his yellow costume. Cyclops gets his classic uh, outfit. Jean Grey gets her her, uh, her little Wolverine mask thing. Oh, so this was before giant size X-Men. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, X-Men number 67 or something like that. That's kind of neat, actually. Exactly. I would, probably have, I would have probably bought that t-shirt. And I saw it. Had I seen it? No, yeah. I can't buy it because you have it. Right. Uh, and I saw it. I was like, this is mine. This is going home with me because this is just like, why did they make this? Uh, maybe they made it just for me, just for me to show up at Target, <laughs> give them my nine ninety nine, and be like, I don't understand. Like this shirt doesn't tie to any movies, doesn't tie to any pop culture references. Um, it, it, oh yeah, it was like, and it didn't say anything stupid. It's just the cover of the comic, and it didn't say something stupid like old school. <laughs> I hate that. You know, like they have Nintendo T-shirts uh, with like the Nintendo control on, is like classically trained or old school or whatever. And I hate that. I hate all of that. <laughs> You hate slogans? Oh, God. Especially when they're just dumb, made-up slogans. Danger Room, the podcast you listen to. The podcast that won't quit. <laughs> Anyways. Um, Food for your ears. <laughs> <laughs> yes, feed it to your iPod. Does anybody have an iPod anymore? I, don't, I, I have several, but it's sort of an iPod museum. I don't use any of them. Yeah, I bought a 60-gig iPod um, a while ago from a pawn shop, and I was like, oh, I'll just load this up and stick it in the car. And now I have like unlimited wireless and Apple Music. It's like I can just listen to anything always and not have to worry about downloading it and converting it and putting it through iTunes onto my iPod. See, I, I also I think it, I either got the 60 or was there a 120? Whatever mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. I got whatever they maxed out at and I filled it. And now I still use it every so often when I just need like an easy to listen to fix that I can just put on shuffle. It's 120 gigs worth of music. And I'll, I'll never change it, but it's it's ready if I ever need it. See, I it's think, handy. I think if I would have done that, like if I would have spent a lot of time honing and curating the library for my iPod and it was just there, kind of like what you described, I think I would use it. But I bought it like two or three years ago and I put like seven, eight albums on it and then I lost interest <laughs> and I just have a phone that plays anything ever. There was a period of time when I would go to the library and I would come home with 
10 CDs and I would rip them and return them. And it happened week after week after week. So getting to 120 gig was easy. <laughs> Thief. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess we, we need to do some comic book chatting here. Oh, yeah. This one's called Earthfall. Yeah, you mentioned that. We start off with a montage of things that have previously happened, including Storm fighting Crimson Commando and Avalanche. Wolverine's there as well. The other X-Men fighting Juggernaut in Edinburgh. Um, Lorna and Alex, something we haven't seen before, out in Paris, New Mexico, dancing, enjoying dinner, and just having a date. And then some hippies out in the Rio Diablo Mountains, having a camp next to their VW bus. So does this montage basically serve to remind us that this story started a long time ago? Yeah. I mean, the story in question, was that from 87 or 86? I don't know. So it's we're on 232 and we're referencing, well, it's been 16 issues. It's been over a year. So, yeah. This feels just like a weird flashback because none of the, I think... The upper two panels are what's throwing me off. And I think they're just there to remind you what era we were in when this other thing happened. But I'm, I'm like, why am I being told this? I guess it's just to help you place where this occurs. Because yeah. as you recall, I mean, this, this takes a place. This part that we're about to talk about takes place immediately after Lorna and Alex are driven off the road by a VW bus. And if you blink, you you kind of miss it, right? Or you maybe you don't think about it because so many issues have occurred that you're like, oh, I guess they're just not going to do anything with that. But well, they yeah. are, and, and they we're sure going to talk are. about it. Uh, this one's by Chris Claremont, of course. Mark Silvestri and Dan Green are the penciler and inker. Glennis Oliver's the colorist. Tom Orzakowski's lettering and Nascenti and Bob Harris are editors. And Tom DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. Do you think Bob Harris was like, move over, little lady. I'm going to help you. <laughs> No, oh, okay. I think, uh, I think maybe, maybe he's, um, going to take over. Oh, and that could be, so this is like maybe the transitionary there, period. A, maybe that could be. there's a handoff of the editors. He is in fact editing the next issue. Okay. I take so back maybe my, my Anacenti, Anacenti is at uh, writing daredevil right now. So maybe she's just too busy to be editing. She's made the shift. She did it. Congratulations, Anna Senti. Let's all take a moment and give her a round of applause. Clap, 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 clap. All right, moving on. <laughs> uh, it is called Earthfall in a comically funny title. It's like a Superman font. Yeah, and it's like it. It's like a joke. This uh, this issue is not jovial, but this title makes it look like Earthfall. Makes me think of Howard the Duck. Actually, <laughs> looks like we're in for some fun. It, uh, I don't know, it just reminds me of Superman. I think it's because it's it's the curvy font. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, serious uh, would be like all sharp and, and harsh edges, but this is like Earthfall. No, anyways. Uh, yeah. So the campers that are sitting by the, the VW, they're, they're by their fire and they see something crashing down towards Earth. And they're all like, oh my God, it's a meteor. We gotta run. It's heading straight for us. And, and they do run, and it explodes right, I guess, where their where their fire was. So it's almost like it was going straight for them. They they somehow are alive, and they're saying it doesn't make sense that we're alive. Rock that size should have impacted like a nuclear bomb. This close, we ought to have been vaporized. 
But since we weren't, let's be dumb and go explore. Well, you see, Adam, one of the guys here, Harry, he is a Denver Fire Department paramedic. And there's a fire. So he's going to go give some paramedics and paramedic to the fire department. Well, he's he's (laughs) (laughs) he is bringing along his med kit because his stupid friends are going to explore the stupid fire. I suppose. Stupid. Well, the one guy says, come on, let's check it out. The next person says, Sal, don't be stupid. Don't you, you don't know what's down there. And then the guy who's like, come on, let's check it out. is like, bring that first aid kit, Harry, in case anyone's hurt. And it's like, well, wait, you're all here. I mean, I guess it could have been an airplane crashing, but they thought it was a meteor. So why would they think anybody's hurt? I don't know. This is, this, 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 this. This is Sally, I guess. Sal is short for Sally, who is, uh, they explain later, Sally Harding, 27. She was a teacher. She wanted to be Indiana Jones. Um, she is the one who is leading them all stupidly into this fire. And she is the one who stupidly says, bring your med kit. And everybody stupidly follows, even though they're like, don't be stupid. That's an actual line of dialogue. Now, as they get you up. don't know what's down there. As they get up to this thing that's crashed, it is a huge shark it's a giant shark a gigantic shark and i think somebody in the letters or or emailed us or voicemailed us that uh, there definitely was a size discrepancy because when we saw it it's just like oh it's like a it's like a space dolphin crashed it's so small and alex is like don't you know what this is but now it's it's like 10 times the size it was before with huge fins all right, now it matches what we've seen before in space. Sort of, I guess. I have a question about that as we get to it, but... I don't have an answer. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it anyways. So yeah, they get up there and they're like, wow, it's a shark. That's crazy. Maybe somebody threw it out of the ocean. Well, that's weird. Uh, some of them are like, well, well, let's call the feds or NASA or the Avengers or the army. Let them deal with this. And Sally... That's a smart guy. Totally. <laughs> that's Can't... Norman. Get out of there. He's like, look, guys, it's a giant shark. There's nothing we can do. <laughs> it's There's a shark. Sally's over there poking it with a stick. <laughs> Come on. It's a Sharknado, everybody. We got to go. Yes. This is a preemptive Sharknado. She does poke it with a stick, and she's uh, she's like, ah, trust me, Norm. Critter's dead, and Norm smartly is like, why take a chance? Well, if you think it's dead, why are you poking it with a stick? Because <laughs> uh, it's dead, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, she turns around. She's like, what's the point of living if you don't take chances? And that's when the shark's head turns. And it's like Bruce from the Jaws movie. And it eats her with a big chomp. Now, I remember space fish. And I remember them being fish-like. But did they look like straight-up sharks? I feel like they were like wider and they had like bubbles on them and stuff. And they were like, they were enslaved. I don't don't remember any of them looking exactly like sharks, but we know from Kazar that there are space sharks. Hmm. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to say that this is a, the brood have acquired some space sharks. Oh, spoilers. This is the brood. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Oops. Uh, Well, I mean, it says the brood is back on the cover. That's true. Um, I can buy that. So the brood are uh, a parasitic uh, creature. So they could have gone elsewhere and found flying sharks. And and we knew th- we knew their giant shark ships that they had before were their slaves. Right. So this this works. So um, I can't remember what his name. The fire department. Harry. Guy. Harry. 
he's freaked out and because his friend just got eaten <laughs> that's when the ground comes alive with pointy spiky feet teeth things and and it does it go after him or, or no it goes after norman norm that's right and he sees the silhouette of a giant uh alien slash insectoid thing chomping on his friend norman it stabs him straight through the it looks like straight through the gut it's hard to tell yeah yeah it's it's basically to eat him and then his lady friend fran uh has fallen and she can't get up because her ankle's broken and then we get an extreme close-up of the brood choking out Norman and kind of looking towards the camera, uh, I guess towards Fran probably, who's screaming and is all like, I'm, you're, you're next. And presumably, uh, Harry also sees that and just takes off. Even though his friend Fran is helping, he takes the coward's way out and runs away, which, you know, it's pretty realistic considering all it's going down. Yeah, no, he's freaked. So he and he does jet. The second panel on page eight, feel like there's something really wrong with his arm. It's really long. Well, he's lumbering. I mean, it's <laughs> supposed to be a project, per, 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 yeah, perspective shot for sure, but I don't know. Looks weird. But anyways, he, he prays for her screams to stop and howls inside when they do. The next morning. So this is when uh, Lorna and Alex are coming back from their date. I guess they've gone grocery shopping as well. And the VW bus is screeching around the corner and it drives them off the road. And now we know the rest of the story. Yeah. Harry doesn't even notice them and he's panicking and freaked out. And then in a moment, uh, actually, we th that was then he's all freaked out. And then we flash to now and he's cool, calm, collected, driving around his ambulance his name is Harry Palms. I mean, Harry Palmer. <laughs> and uh, he is from Denver, Colorado. So I wonder if he knows the Molecule Man and Volcana. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's, I guess he's recovered from the event because he's, you know, he's the man. He's like, we got to save the people. Get out of the way. Clear the road. We're an ambulance. Well, he's got a look on his face like a man possessed or something. Uh, possessed is probably the right word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that works. <laughs> so yeah, they're in an ambulance and they're, uh, gunning down downtown Denver, Colorado. They're trying to get somewhere, uh, to get to a, a building dynasty plaza. Um, not, is that, that's not a place that we know, right? I, it's not a place I know. And, I, I was uh, hoping they went to Texas and it was Eagle Plaza. Uh, yeah, that would be weird. I mean, oh, no, we know that there's nobody in Eagle Plaza. It'd just be random. Yeah, it'd be stupid and random, but this is <laughs> this is not anything I'm aware of. And uh, he goes... So to Josie and Harry seem to need, know all of the police already as they get there, and they know the fire department, and everybody's like, they're all... They're all good buddies. Yeah, and he goes up to a floor where there's a dead lawyer, or a dying lawyer, I should say, and uh, he he's like, you guys stay outside. We'll take it from here. Man here, he's all dying and stuff. It's like, I don't want to die. And apparently, hurts. Hurts uh, so flame, apparently fire came out of his mouth and they think he's a mutant. Yeah. And you can actually see the smoldering fire inside of his mouth. So he comes in and uh, he's like, oh, you're, you're in good care. I got you. Um, looks like a myocardial infarct, Josie. Heart attack. And uh, then his hand turns all brood-like. 
and stabs him in the gut. Rest easy, Bob. Your troubles are over. You're going to be just fine. In fact, I can pretty much guarantee that you'll live forever. And it's interesting because we kind when we see his face, we go back and forth from kind of smiley, jovial to possessed. So. You know, he's, he's only really smiley in kind of one panel. Yeah, I, I like to imagine that the fourth, fifth panel on page nine, when he's coming in to the scene, he's like, hey, what's going on? And then in the next panel, he's like, I'm heading over to the place. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, you know. And then the scene when, when they enter how the... how many of these people are in league with him. Right. When he walks in and sees the dying lawyer, I also imagine that he's like, okay, guys, I got this. Why don't you wait outside and I'll take care of this? And then, yeah. but anyways... We flash to half a world away in uh, Australia, where um, Madeline Pryor is coming back from the grocery shopping. Yeah, and uh, and she has a little conversation with herself about Gateway. Oh, boy, Gateway, I'm sure not used to that. Oh, I, sh- I sure prefer flying, and, uh, you know, I could be stark naked, and Gateway wouldn't even even pay attention to me. Boy, that would be funny, right? I wonder what Alex would think about that. Oh, I'm so weird. <laughs> she must be really full of herself if she's like, boy, if I got naked, everybody in the camp would turn their heads except for Gateway. Something's wrong with him. Well, she doesn't say that. She says... It's kind of the inference, though. Well, no. She says, I bet that'd spook some of the X-Men some. Yeah. But, you know, especially Havoc. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> why is that such an intriguing thought, she thinks? I'm home. Ah, they're probably out on a mission. Okay. And then she goes to check out the computer and they left her a message saying they're on a mission. And she's commenting again about how easy the computer is and how it's teaching her to use it. She's also, she's she's wearing a new hairstyle and she's got on a new outfit. And in the upper right hand page of this panel, she looks like Shirley Manson from the band Garbage. Yeah, do you know everybody but Shirley Manson uh, was is from Madison, Wisconsin? I knew that some of them were, but I didn't know that all of them were. Uh, all of them but Shirley Manson. I don't know where she's from. She's from a different country, I think. Yeah, she's from like Sweden or Finland or one of those foreign countries. Yep. That sounds like Sweden or Finland. <laughs> and she... Maybe yeah. she's Australian, actually. Okay. Who knows? Uh, I feel like she got it. Well, I think this is what they're going for, but uh, she got a Jean Grey vibe going on. No longer does she have kind of her plain hairstyle. It's far more stylized. Not maybe mm. quite as curly as Jean Grey's hair, but... I didn't get that, but that, I guess. But anyways, she's also designing a logo um, for... Because even though the X-Men are dead... They apparently want a way to, like, leave a mark that doesn't say, we're the X-Men, but says, like, heroes were here. Yeah, the team needs some sort of sign for people to remember them by after their missions. Zorro had his Z, the Lone Ranger, a silver bullet. Actually, I didn't know that about the Lone Ranger. Mm -hmm. So Longshot and Dazzler both wear stars in their costume. Stars mean the law, the good guys. Eight points, eight X-Men? This definitely has some possibilities. Why is there a giant brain in the computer room? Uh, Reaver. What? What is that thing? It's not uh, like a like a biological brain. It's a, it's metal and aluminum and tubes. It's it's a it's a it's a computer brain. It's just weird. It's a big it's a big <laughs> CPU. It's very brood like. 
<laughs> and uh, the TV flips on, and she sees on the TV Jean Grey and Cyclops. And she's like, no, it's Marvel Girl. Jean Grey, the woman he loved before he married me. I have to remind myself of that because I've forgotten, <laughs> but she's supposed to be dead. And the way they're standing, relating to each other, they're holding hands to each other. No wonder he left me and our baby. It's clear as day. He loves her the way he never loved me. And she punches this big ass screen. And when I say big ass screen, I mean, it's a big screen. Yeah, but it's not even like widescreen. It's like tall screen. <laughs> it's it's tall. Yeah, it's the other way. And it's not 16 by 9 or 9 by 16, I guess. It's like 9 by 32. It's just like, how are you going to watch movies on this thing? It's yeah. like a giant iPhone. Yes. Yes. That's exactly so, what it is. She punches it and it explodes and she leaves a very large hole in it. It was apparently as fragile as an iPhone. And the punch is crazy, right? Like she she winds up and then by the time she hits the screen and, and we hear the scabam, she's practically uh, horizontal. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it knocks her on her feet and, and uh, to the floor. And then we cut back to Denver where... We're back with Harry, and he's running for some reason, or at least it looks like he's running. Maybe he's just walking. Maybe it's just the shadows make it look like he's running. I guess he's just walking. He's just recalling his day, the mutants. Um, again, My job seems to involve mutants a lot lately. His face is very um, innocent, I would say, here. He yeah. looks around, and he sees a couple people making out, and he's like, oh, jeez, enjoy it while it lasts, you kids. And then it we'll gets talk about all- that later. It gets all foggy, which is weird. And he's like, I better go inside. And he opens the door and drops his groceries because inside is... Uh, well, he says, I'll open my door and probably find some demon queen waiting to steal my soul, he thinks to himself. And then he opens the door and there's Psylocke looking it, like a demon queen, ready to steal his soul. Is it is it Psylocke or is it Dark Ch- Who's the... Who's the hooded girl from the Teen Titans? Oh, uh, Raven, I think. Raven something. It looks like her. No, this is uh, this is Psylocke's new outfit, as we'll learn. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, he's like, who are you? And he's like, that's unimportant, Harry Palmer. You know me? How'd you get in here? And that's when and Colossus Col- slams the door behind him and says, our apologies for this intrusion, comrade, and our appearance. I am only wearing my underpants. Uh, he's got a, like a big wrestling belt though now, so it's it's good. It's an improvement over last issue where he was just wearing the underpants. And he's got he's got some gauntlets on and some big boots. Yeah, the gauntlets are huge. Yeah, it, it seems impractical. And when he goes to human size, like must really hurt as they fall off of him. <laughs> now, granted, he's not able to shift to human form all that often, so um, I'm sure those will conveniently not be around when he shifts to human form. Of course. Anyway, he's like, uh, you're not going anywhere. And uh, like Perry just instinctively goes to punch him, but then ultimately picks Colossus up over his head and throws him at Psylocke. Psylocke, watch out. And they both go careening through the wall and outside. And Harry's like, that guy was made of steel, but I threw him as if he weighed nothing. What am I doing? I'm three floors up. I'm jumping out the wall. I know what I'm doing, but I don't know what I'm doing. I made it. I jumped. The card's locked and I ripped it off. Why are the X-Men after me? How do I know they're the X-Men? Havoc shoots him. Sorry, fellow, but you're no condition to drive. Uh, But I guess he 
is able to evade the shot with the car door, and that's when uh, I think I think uh, oh he Havoc just misses. He, he shoots he, he shoots the uh, hood of the car off. Yeah. And so he still has the car door, and that's when we see that the making out couple was in fact Dazzler and Longshot, which is weird. Yeah, so like, are they a couple now, or were they just like going undercover and they were, hey, we should make out, well, to look like we're a couple making out. Seems like they could do something else, like just not be seen at all. I think it was Dazzler's plan. She's like, um... I have an idea. Um, what if um, Longshot and I stand romantically under a streetlight and we make out? And that's um, how we spy on Harry. And Storm's <laughs> like, well, how about we just use Psylocke's psychic powers and you guys wait in the house with him. Longshot, I'm sure your luck power would be of use. And Dazzler, you can blind him. Um, I think we can get some reconnaissance if Longshot and I just kiss for a while. And can we get there <laughs> early? We never know when he's going to show up. We'll be there a couple hours before you guys. I feel like she really just cooked this up and Longshot's like, I, I don't, I think Storm, well, all right, whatever. Whatever you say, Dazzler. Because <laughs> as I feel like as we learn, uh, I mean, Dazzler's like into him, but Longshot's like, hey, I'm, I'm Longshot. I'm just an alien. Ha! Yeah. Hey, Willie, look at me. I'm an alien. Ha! I eat cats. <laughs> uh, elf. Anyways, uh, Harry takes the car door and throws it at Longshot and Dazzler. Longshot uh, knocks Dazzler down so that she's able to evade the door, which hits a lamp post. Freezes right through it. Yeah, well, he threw it super hard, which uh, frees up. Rogue catches it, and she's able to put. What does she do? She ties up all the electricity. Yeah, she the the uh, the wires snap, and she sees them kind of flying around. So in order to, you know, clean up the scene a little bit, she, she ties it together. So as not to hurt people. She's thinking. So, yeah, the X-Men uh, are beaten by by a dude. Nothing is hurt Havoc but my pride at how easily I was overcome. And this is where uh, Betsy says, It's a good thing I decided to exchange my old costume for this suit of armor. It absorbed the brunt of both impacts. Or what was she was Mrs. Doubtfire? <laughs> uh Oh, fortunate I decided to exchange my old costume for this suit of armor. Uh, although although she's also supposed to be British. But <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's keeping track? <laughs> uh, and the suit of armor will definitely play a part in the development and growth of Psylocke as a character. And it almost pretty much harkens back to uh, the last X-Men annual we read where she turned kind of into an armored cyborg. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of neat. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, Psylocke's like, um, that man has no knowledge of anything that's going on, That the, of the brood inside of him. Are we making a mistake? And Wolverine's like, trust me, y'all weren't there last time this happened. Storm and I were. It's bad. Palmer was infected at the crash site in New Mexico. I spotted that the moment I tagged his scent. I could smell New Mexico all over him. So I guess uh, what we're led to believe is all the craziness has occurred and Havoc finally was like, hey, guys, I got to tell you something. There was a brood shark ship. I read about it in Xavier's files. It was in New Mexico. We should go check it out. Okay, kid. Oh, I smell New Mexico. And what I wish would have occurred, because ultimately uh, what I, I, I do end up liking uh, this issue. I feel like this is a, a really good 
Spoilers. Issue. Sorry, I, I apologize. I know we're not there yet, but but my <laughs> biggest complaint, and I know we're not done yet, but my biggest complaint about this issue, I don't think it was long enough, even though, spoilers, it's a two-parter. I kind of wish- It's a three-parter. Oh, is it a three-parter? I wish it would have been a four-parter then, and I wish we could have seen more of Harry kind of going through his knowing slash not knowing what's going on, and the X-Men tracking him from New Mexico and kind of following, like sleuthing, like, where did he go? What's he up to? Who is he? Uh- I feel like there could have been more of that because when we get to the end of this oh. issue, I'm like, oh, neat. But anyways, you know, I guess that's just not the story that Chris Claremont wanted to tell. I know. But if you'd have told my story, it would have been better. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Wolverine heads off into the fog to do some tracking. I found him once. I'll do it again. Wolverine, I want that man alive. You know how dangerous these critters are. And uh, yeah, I mean, so we get a panel or a page rather of uh Harry kind of going through the motions of what's happening to him because I guess he doesn't, he tunes out when he goes brood. Well, he, he kind of sees it, but also doesn't see it. Yeah. So like he sees himself doing stuff, obviously, and he doesn't know how he knows the X-Men, but at the same time, he really doesn't know what's going on. Right. Like I would say we saw him stab the lawyer I would say that he probably went through the motions of everything that happened in that building, stabbed the lawyer as a brood, but his mind coped with that or blocked it. And he thought that he just went in there, found a lawyer, wasn't able to save him. And that was sad and moved on. There, Yeah, there's definitely some uh, mind blocking going on. Yeah. So he's trying to get somewhere. He tries to hail a cab, but it won't stop. He ultimately flags down a bus and gets on. Shouldn't ought to stand in a street like that, pal. I could have hit you. But don't on, look so good. But on the bus is Rogue. And you almost don't even see it. I mean, he he goes straight to the back of the bus and there's there's like this person who clearly is Rogue. But if you're not paying attention, you could miss it. Sort of in shadow. I disagree. It's not clearly Rogue because I've read this issue four times now. And it's the first time I've noticed that Rogue's in the corner back there. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I noticed it right away. No. I was like, ooh, Rogue's on the bus. No, I just see some... Well, because we just saw them all together, and Wolverine's like, I'm going to go hunt him down. So, I don't know how Rogue got on this bus. And... She got on the bus. Well, yeah, that's fair. It's like, I'm tired of flying. I'm <laughs> going to take a bus for occasion, for a change of pace. But anyways, yes, it totally is Rogue, and, and she's like, uh, you got to call it quits. And she's like, you're, you're one of them. I don't care what you say, mutant. I won't let you get me. And he's strong. He he takes her down. Uh, it's choking her, and he's about to get his little brood hook in her. When this is a moment long overdue, little ex girl, and a vengeance well worth the wait. And Wolverine shows up from on top of the bus, crashes through the window with his fist, pulls him out, and throws him into the street. Surprise, I was on the bus too, but literally <laughs> on top of the bus. And he jumps off the bus uh, through the street lights, kind of a neat panel. Harry's hit the ground. Bus driver's like, oh my God, I don't know what's going on. And he just crashes into oncoming traffic, causing tons of property damage and probably a lot of injuries. The bus flips over. Yeah. If I was Wolverine, you know, I would feel bad because he's pretty much well, the cause of this. He probably could I mean, handle this better. Rogue Rogue eventually emerges from the debris, and the first thing she thinks to herself is, where's the driver? Oh, he's okay. Not even Scratch looks like. So I'm, I'm also guessing she kind of looked around and was like, nobody else got hurt either. Good thing it's 2 a.m. or uh, something. That's true. 
and uh, he. But yeah, Harry Harry runs off into an alley, and uh, unfortunately, that that kind of sucks for him because he turns around and at the end, at the at the at the opening of the alley is Wolverine's silhouette and the line, Bub. We got a close up of him popping his claws. You got any beliefs? Now's the time to make your peace with him. There's some really cool shadow work going on too here. When Harry hits the wall, there's a big long shadow that goes up the wall as as there would be. And then as Wolverine is standing in the flames and silhouette, his shadow is super long going all the way into the alley uh, to Harry. It's cool. It's a neat it's a neat uh it's a neat little extra. Neat I'm little not sure. Not sure why Rogue shouts Wolverine when she gets out of the bus. Uh, I think she's worried that... Wolverine! Well, he's like, you got any beliefs? Now's the time to make your peace with him. Like, he's going to kill him, and I don't know that Rogue is okay with that. So so she heard all that Mm -hmm. inside of the fire that she's trying to emerge from? It's comic book, so yeah. Well... Wolverine's very loud. You got any beliefs? Now's the time to make your peace with them. Can you can you quiet down? I can hear you. <laughs> Wolverine! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Leave the fella be, partner, till Psylocke's done. So I think there's a plan here that we need to get Psylocke here to interrogate him to figure out, like, what's the level of brood infestation? And that's when some cops show up and, and they're like, freeze! And these are some of Harry's friends. He recognizes them as his Ruth and Dale. Man, oh man, oh man, are you guys a sight for sore eyes? Thought I was a goner. Wolverine says, Wolverine says, hold that thought, bub. And Rogue is like, Wolvie? And Wolverine does like a crazy, I don't even know what, like a flying sidekick maneuver, hits the door into the cop, and we don't see it, but like Rogue is pissed. She's like, you. You just killed him. You just killed well, a cop. Well, no, no. You just killed the lady. Oh, that's right. The, the lady with the shotgun, he like slices her through the gut. And she goes, Arr! You're right. Okay. And she's like, you crazy berserker son of a, you just killed a cop. Wolverine, because he can't ever like just say. Yeah, this is so annoying. <laughs> that's a brood and I killed it. Spoilers. He says, I know what I did, girl. Now let me go so I can finish what I started. No way, mister. You're making a mistake, Rogue, but I'm not going to tell you what that mistake is because it would take too long. <laughs> Instead, I'm just going to say all this other stuff. And, and then Psylocke's going to come in and say, I can see it in his thoughts. Those he attacked, they are police officers. And that's when Wolverine finally says, they're brute. <laughs> and Rogue should be like, what? Lee, don't bury the lead. <laughs> Why did you just tell me that when I was like fighting you? You said 87 syllables when you could have just said their brood. And then we turn around and we see that Harry has turned into like a half man, half brood. And he's like, they aren't the only ones, X-Men. We're all of us brood here. And soon, old enemies, very soon, you will be too. And we see all sorts of different brood forms from straight up brood to I don't know, there's like a Wolfman Bat Boy brood. <laughs> Wolfman Bat Boy. Well, there's like a like next to Harry, it looks like kind of a Wolfman dude, and then like above him, kind of closest to us with the red eyes, looks like a bat. He's got pointy ears. Oh, okay, I and, just see a bunch of brood. Well, there's definitely like half man, half brood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And brood. Some of them, some of them are full on brood, and most of them are half men, half brood. But this guy, he looks like a bat. Mm, okay, sure. <laughs> Anyways, next issue is called Dawn of Blood. And uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Dawn of Blood. 
Uh, this is an era where I stopped collecting for a little bit. Um, I couldn't even say if I have this issue or not in well, my you collection. Could. Well, I could if I went and looked, but I'm not going to do that. And I think it's because I I felt I felt um, taken advantage of by the uh, OC whatever OZ <laughs> Chase story and the well, they they lost you basically and yeah and, and the Christmas re- returning of the goods story like I was like man all the good stuff has happened and it's dumb and the art's weird Rick Leonardi I don't like him and so and yeah I, I miss this goes to show you you got to at least give it what four issues. Yeah. To get to get to the good stuff, if you have a four issue bad streak, that's uh, that means that means it's time to stop collecting or reading. But I only yeah. gave it two issues, but ultimately I got back into it. And it doesn't take me very long to get back into it. Whew, what yeah. a relief! I know, right? That's... If not for that, there might be no podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there you go. That was X Men uh, number two thirty two. I, I honestly I didn't know it was a three parter. So looking forward to the uh, other two parts. And I I dug this whole story because really old brood stories in space I didn't really care for. Maybe it's because I just couldn't relate to the space sci fi element. But now it's just like half man, half brood. I don't know if. I'm a human or if I'm a brood. I like that story. This feels like Chris Claremont is going for a more movie style action in this stuff. It's 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 less traditional comic booky and more big scale movie epic yeah. style. Yeah. I'll buy that. I, I would watch this as a movie. Yeah, that'd be a good movie. I mean X Men versus the Brood in the streets of Denver. <laughs> I don't know what you do in the first five minutes to set all of that up, but you know, for somebody who doesn't need it set up, it'd be fun. Well, you say, well, you just, you, you cut to a scene of like, uh, I don't know, whoever the youngest mu- uh, mutant is in this thing. They're at the Xavier's mansion and they're watching aliens oh. and they're like, Oh, that's really creepy. And then, uh, something crash lands into the mansion and it's brood and half of the mutants in the mansion become brood and the X-Men have to fight their own mutant buddies. Okay. That, that's a, that's that a great movie. Yeah, that would work. That's an, that's a really easy setup. They don't in even the have to. Streets of Salem Center. Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't even have to crash into the mansion. They could crash elsewhere, but you'd still get the right idea. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Um, drop us a line, please. Uh, we're at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast, at danger room go. Danger Room at xmenpodcast.com is where you can email us. You can go out to iTunes. You can leave us. Uh, Review some feedback, some stars, or subscribe to us. You can call us 501 Get X Men, which is 501 438 9636. Our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfield, and you can become a patron by going to www.patreon.com forward slash danger room and subscribing to our one and only level. We're working on more, but yeah, we, we got an idea. Maybe by the time this airs, we'll, we'll have, we'll have. There will be another one, but I don't know. Maybe we'll wait until 2019. Who knows? And uh, speaking of iTunes, it's been a while, but we did get a a, a piece of feedback. Um, Jason R. He uh, iterates or reiterates, I should say, keep doing the supplemental stuff. It's one of my favorite parts of the podcast. Love hearing about the whole crazy continuity of the X universe. Well, pull up a chair... Pour a drink. Buckle up. For safety? Well, 
We've, we've got a lot of extended X-Universe stuff to cover. It's a lot, but most of it can be summed up fairly quickly. So, you know. Um, yeah. I read uh, X-Factor number 31. Did you? Yeah. It's, it's all about Infectia, and she's just desperately trying to get some from Iceman because she wants her own mutant. Also has uh, Cyclops and Marvel Girl going toe-to-toe with Freedom Force. They fight for a while, which is super obnoxious, but eventually Destiny is like, um, I see your baby. Uh, your baby is alive. It's trapped. You need to go find it. Yeah, that part of the comic was annoying because, like, it was just a lot of not people not listening to each other. Right. Most of the time, the the Brotherhood didn't know what they were talking about. I really feel like X-Factor is just phoning it in from a story perspective. And again, the art just feels like I I have more important things to draw and it's not X-Factor. So I'm going to draw this as fast as possible and do whatever it is I'm working on. We do, uh, we do see the egg-shaped man and he's singing Rockabye Baby on the treetop while like an evil robot dude is being birthed out of some boiling liquid and picks up a giant gun. That's kind of cool. It looks like Iron Man, but kind of, yeah, he's got like the little, whatever, like the, the widow's peak. That's, that's a common with Iron Man armor. And we see him climb out of the, the ship, I guess is what it is. It's the ladder that goes under the top of a house. And, uh, and then he looks like a transformer. He does. It looks like uh, either Rumble or um, who was the other Rumble? I think it was, uh, his name is Choo-choo-choo-choo-choo. <laughs> yeah, so he goes into the house. We see we see a carriage, or a carriage. We see a uh, crib with some dolls and stuff, and we see some parents sleeping, and then we see gunshots. Blam, 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 blam. And the song finished, and the cradle, uh, and down will come baby, cradle and all. So we don't know. If this evil thing killed the baby, super that, we're, dark. we're led to believe that or the he, parents. He, this this thing uh, killed everybody, but we don't know that for it. They definitely killed something. Maybe well, or as, maybe, as far as we know, as far as we know, maybe it walked into the parents' room and was like, "Hey guys, want to see my gun?" and just shoot straight up in the air. Like, yeah, it, blam, 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 blam. Cool, isn't, right? Isn't an awesome gun. Love it. Um, was, it, was he like Thunder Slammer or something? Thunder Punch? Thunder Butt? <laughs> yes, it was Thunder Butt. Thunder Butt! I just remember Frenzy. Frenzy was his name. Rumble and Frenzy. Oh, okay. yeah. Rumble and Frenzy. And Ravage was the 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 dog. And Razorbeak yeah. was the, the bird. Uh, and then there was another bird. Because there was two of everything for some reason. But that bird was less used than Razorbeak. Was there a no? It wasn't razor beak. It was laser beak. Oh, you're right. It was. <laughs> yeah. Um, laser beak and razor face. Sure. Let's go with razor claw. That sounds pretty cool. There was there another dog? Uh, I think Ravage was the only dog. Aha. I think there was just one dog, and I had Ravage. I had Sound Wave, and I had Ravage. I have Ravage, and he transforms into a USB drive, and it sucks. It sucks that he transforms into a USB drive or No, he transforms into a USB drive that doesn't suck or that 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 does suck because I can't connect it to anything because he partially transforms. Oh. So I can't put the USB drive in anything. It's annoying. Well, that's kind of dumb. 
One thing that's interesting that I should point out is that Cyclops makes a highly concentrated focused beam and shoots it through Blob's arm. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. That's not right. I wouldn't think it's right because Blob's got like density manipulation over his body. I mean, I think even Wolverine's tried clawing at him and he's just like, keep clawing away, little man. And, and he just like absorbs all the punches or just like he has like a malleable body. But yeah, you see Cyclops shoot through his arm. Well, the other thing is that Cyclops' beams are force beams. They're not like laser beams. So how does that work? It's just he's pinpointing so much force that it just, Every, I don't know. It everybody just, it's, it's is weird. phoning in. Everybody's phoning it in. It's just weird. <laughs> uh, so Destiny's actual message uh, is, I can no longer perceive Madeline or the X-Men. Their threads, their lives are broken, but... Your baby, Madeline, I remember, blah, blah, blah. Uh, is he? I see a tiny coffin, cold, so cold, freezing mist of vision. No, it's real. Your son lives, but there are bars on the windows, and the threads of his future are tangled in your past and yours too, Marvel Girl. The same displacement of place and time subsumes your son. But wait, he isn't yours. It's time that's confusing me. She had no time. And you have all the time in the world. The woman said nothing about the child. I have told you all I can divine. Go now. Return to New York. Your destiny lies there. My destiny this lies poor there. poor old lady. She's very confused. She's old. <laughs> uh, she probably has like a clear mental image of exactly what she's, what's happening. But she's so old that she's like, I, I don't cough in, in tiny bars. Uh, <laughs> Ah, uh, there's a revitalization of the right, which is fantastic. The uh, the the what is the right? The that's what's his face's Cameron Hodges, Cameron Hodges group outfit. Yeah, they're all anti mutant. Um, Beast is dumb, and he's crying about how dumb he is, and how he's trying desperately to save Iceman from Infectia. Infectia takes um Iceman back to her apartment, and um locks him up because apparently she's got access to gadgets that can lock people up. Yeah, which is strange. It's in her apartment, so like she had to call Best Buy or somebody to have this thing installed into the wall. Well, cuz her her dad was a molecular biologist, so somehow she borrowed this equipment from the lab or something, I don't know. Sure. And so she, I mean she she probably she had her monsters bring them by. Yeah. And so she she's like, "Well, let me give you a demonstration, Bobby. I've got this guy that I just keep around and feed and 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 empty his his diapers because I've kept him here forever. But now is the perfect opportunity for me to kiss him and show you that I can turn him into a superpowered creature. This whole thing doesn't make any sense. She's finally got him separated from everybody, and she could just kiss him, but instead she goes through all this rigmarole of tying him up or whatever uh, – using giant machinery to tie him down uh, and, and it has power blockers on it even. And then, uh, and then she has to also kiss some dude to show the use of her powers. Again, she could just kiss Iceman. There's four pages here of all of this demonstration. Also that beast can show up and fight this guy. The guy disintegrates and she's like, see, that's the problem. These humans, they just, they just, expire so i want a mutant i want to see what happens with that so now i'm gonna kiss you Iceman. she goes in for the kiss and beast is like no 
and he takes the kiss for him. Which is confusing because they do an extremely extreme close-up of the kiss. So I at first assumed it was Bobby. Well, of course. I mean, I think that's the effect that we're going for here is that. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Beast is like, no, but not, oh, I didn't make it. And she kisses him anyways because you can't really tell whose face it is. And then everything explodes. Uh, infection goes flying back. She's like, oh, it's never happened like this before. And at that point, we see we see blue furry beast and Iceman coming down like, forgive me, Hank. I'm sorry. I wouldn't listen. Beast is still dumb. And he's like, be crazy to listen to a dummy like me. And he reverts back from his blue beast form back to Hank McCoy form. And Iceman like, Hank, Hank. And I... The issue just kind of ends with them sitting there. Uh, well, we also I, see Infectia escape up the magical Dr. Seuss stairs nearby. Oh, that's what I missed. Because I'm like, where the hell did Infectia go? But yeah, you're right. In a very small panel in the background, she runs up the stairs. Bye! I have a really big <laughs> apartment, I guess. Spiral stairs and mechanical traps to hold people. Not sure why I need a ship. This apartment's pretty awesome. So all of that was garbage. But the interesting thing here is that all of a sudden Hank McCoy is turned into Blue Beast. But then the little teaser for the next issue is the excitement builds as X-Factor faces the carbon copy Avengers. And you're like, boo, that sounds (laughs) terrible. Like, I want to see a whole issue of Beast like sitting in the infirmary, just like bouncing back and forth between Blue Beast and Human Beast. And is he going to live? Is he going to die? And Marvel Girl and Cyclops, like, what about my son? But what about Beast? And there's medicine that can only be, I don't know. I don't know what the Carbon Copy Avengers is about. Maybe it's a good issue, but it sounds stupid. (laughs) You just hate the Avengers. I don't hate the Avengers. I just really kind of disappointed at X-Factor. Like I said, you read up to Fall of the Mutants, and then there's just really no reason to read anymore. Uh, There's also a page where Angel is... I guess, digging into information about the right. Yeah. And, and he's, uh, he smiles. Candy Southern's disappearance. Yeah. Again, we don't get any answers. But I guess I guess the idea is that Warren has been going from lo- right location to right location in search for her and destroying lots of dudes. Yep. He's a dude destroyer. And then there's Power Pack number 40. Yeah. Yeah. That happened. Uh, good. Uh, this penciler, Sal Valudo, never heard of him before. I like his pencils. Yeah. He drives a solid comic. Uh, yeah, Power Pack number 40 is essentially the Power Pack meet the New Mutants, and Power Pack's like, you have new costumes, and New Mutants are like, your power's all switched. And it's true. Uh, they fight this dude named the Bogeyman. I uh, just called it Bogeyman, but whatever. <laughs> but it's spelled Bogeyman. Yeah, but I mean, that's dumb. <laughs> I know. Uh, there was something interesting in this issue. So so they attempt to uh, rescue a kidnapped mutant girl, and then it gets interesting when they finally find her, uh, find the kidnapper and the thing, and the, the kidnapper is attempting to sell uh, the little girl, and also I guess he has Katie now too, uh, to a demon named Nestira. Nestir. Nestir. We're, but I'm, this is like way, way towards the end. It is. Uh, it's it like is. page. Oh, I know what it is. I, I, I'm looking at it. I'm trying to find his name because I've always had a question about how to pronounce this dude's name. It's page 22 is where you first see his name. And it's N apostrophe A-S-T-I-R-H. 
So Naster, Nastra, Nastir, Nastri, Nas, Nastir. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> He's a red demon that shows up on computer screens. That's all you need to know. He uh, he doesn't accept Bogeyman's offer because the kids are too old. He wants infants and toddlers. He has no interest in little kids, which is interesting, maybe. And uh, so the, the New Moons and Power Pack work together. They rescue all the kids. They fight Bogeyman's monsters. And um, then the demons reveal that they have some sort of side negotiations with the right. But they mention that the right, the operation is currently in shambles. So that's interesting. And then um, Ilyana dumps the boogeyman into limbo. And the demons at that point talk ominously about Sim's plan. Right. Nestri has a deal with Sa'im. Um, if Sa'im's plan is to succeed and mine through him. See, I can see now that I must travel to Earth personally. Okay, so this dude's an alien. I guess I never really knew that. He's an alien demon. Who has been in <laughs> contact with Sa'im. Sa'im is in Limbo. Limbo is Ilyana's realm. But I guess, I don't know if it's in this issue or the next issue that we're going to talk about, but... But the idea is that Ileana has been dumping so many people into limbo that it's just giving the demons more and more people to corrupt and turning into demons. And so I guess cracks are forming, hence the Baba Yaga story we saw a little while ago. So maybe one of those cracks allowed Sa'im to talk to Naistri. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it is mentioned here. The dark child continues to populate the realm she was once sole mistress of and her subjects grow restless. Demons will deal with the bogeyman. As for these children, they really are too old for my present purpose. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But that part was neat. Yeah. It, it's a it's a thing that, I mean, it t- ties right into Inferno. Spoilers. I'll put it right out there. Actually, a lot of the things we're talking about ties right into Inferno. And it's neat that they, they're planting all of these seeds all throughout the Marvel Universe. Um because as far as I knew, Naistri first appeared in X-Men. But, of course, these are written so that he can first appear anywhere, and it'll seem like his first appearance. I believe his next appearance will be in the Carbon Copy Avengers issue of X-Factor. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I love the Carbon Copy Avengers. They're my favorite. <laughs> I wish they would have had their whole uh, their own comic book. I would have bought every copy. Uh, anyways, yeah, Power Pack number 40 uh, is a good issue. I dug it. Which brings us to New Mutants Annual Number Four, which is, which is all right. It's all over the place. There's, there's, there's as much good as there is bad. I dug this issue too, and a part of the reason I dug it, I think, is because we get to find out the fate of Glowworm and Bulk. That was kind of neat. We haven't seen them since X Factor. X Factor Number Two or Number Three? I think it's one of those two. Sure. <laughs> Very early X Factor. Well. They are still irradiated and still hanging around toxic waste dumps. Um, but there's all these dudes that are trying to capture them. And I guess X all Factor of... 7. I just looked it up. Really? It was that late? That's, well, they might have appeared in X Factor 3. No. And then their last appearance was in X Factor 7. Huh. Okay. Yeah, Booyah. you might. You're right. You're right. Because Gene uh, and uh, Cyclops are in the Morlock tunnels. It's right before the the mutant massacre and they're like bulk and glowworm had a relationship we don't anymore scott what's wrong with you 
<laughs> and then, yeah, they're in hazmat suits and they're cleaning up the the tunnels. It's not me that's right, Jeremy. It's the internet. Yeah. And you know the internet's never wrong. Oh, yeah. Two and three is where Beast is turned from Blue Beast back to Hank McCoy. Blue Beast! Anyways, uh, this is like the, I looked it up, uh, I believe this is like third or fourth part of the Evolutionary War. Yeah, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a backstory that talks about all of the Evolutionary War stuff, but we've missed the first three chapters, but I know that the chapters aren't super important but there's these we we, dudes we got white... we got our x-men uh annual coming up and we'll talk all about the evolutionary war during that episode and i'll try to make it short but okay. i read the whole thing oh god so i'm ready well all right so the high evolutionary's in here and he's got like some dudes in white costumes that is purifiers yeah he, they're trying to like get rid of mutant powers for some reason. Very specific mutants have mutant powers that they're trying to get rid of. So in Glowworm and Bulk's case, it's because they're radioactive. Yeah. Yeah. So the X-Men or the new mutants are still grounded. Um, Amara. Yeah, gets... None of that. None of that matters. Yeah. We cut over to uh, magma where somehow the purifiers were spying on magma. I don't know why, but I guess cause she gives off a massive mutant signature, the kinds that they want to get rid of. And uh, so they, they, the purifiers go to grab her and they snag her. And then uh, the new mutants find about that when Emma Frost calls. Oh, by the and, way, Emma Frost's outfit here is just amazing. It, it's, it's different. It's, it's not, not, it's not what she usually wears. It's more of a, it's, it's very, I don't know. I don't know what you call it. it to, me, to me, it's like, I don't know how old Emma Frost is supposed to be. Um, I don't think she's young, but I don't think she's old either. So I, I would put her at like, I'd put her at like 30, like a sexy 30 year old woman. Okay. But it's like she saw MTV and she's <laughs> like, that's how the kids dress. And that's what she put on. So she's got like a pink, like skirt thing with some thigh high nylons and like this half plaid, um, jacket long sleeve jacket thing that goes over the pink dress and then she's got a hat that also matches the plaid jacket it's it's super amazing it's like they could have phoned it in and been lazy and been like let's put the white queen in her normal white lingerie but but somebody whoever drew this uh june brigman june brigman was like no i'm not doing that white queen <laughs> she has been at the mall and she saw some <laughs> stuff that she likes yeah. And that's what she's wearing. And she's proud of it. Like, she doesn't care. It's not like she's like, oh, guys, do you like my outfit? She's like, she's proud. She's like, contact the Hellfire Club, especially Magneto. We got to get magma. <laughs> I love it. It is It is. It is a very 80s outfit. It, it's awesome. I'm not going to say if it's good or bad. No, nope, I, I like, it's I like coolest, parts of it. It's the coolest um, non-superhero costume I've seen in a comic book ever you know what okay i can accept that (laughs) it's striking it's not generic there's like a detail went into this like look at everybody else on this on this issue it's like i've got blue pants and a brown shirt this has been fashion review with jeremy (laughs) and and we're all wearing our superhero costumes and this woman she's like no not wearing any of that i bought this it's cute makes makes me look good i'm wearing it all right anyways uh, yeah, so the, the New Mutants are like, ah, oh, Mara's our friend. Uh, I don't care if Magneto's grounded us. We're going to go get her. So they, they head out and they, they get her. Well, they wait for Magneto to leave because he says, I'm going to go do something. I'm not going to tell you what, but stay home. Yep. You're grounded. But somehow the uh, 
Emma Frost sent over the exact uh, latitude and longitude of where they had tracked Amara to. I'm not sure why she did this over the phone, but the New Mutants overheard that. There's a lot of stupid things in this. And so the New Mutants beam directly over to the purifier's lab. It saves a lot of time, so they don't have to do any, like, searching around for where she is. And boom, they're there. And they rescue her almost immediately. But uh, somehow Danny Moonstar ends up on the platform where they strip away the, the, the mutant powers, which they already did to Glowworm and Bulk. Well, yeah, and it's sad because, like, Glowworm and Bulk, they depowered and they put into these... They they depowered them, but they were still irradiated, and they put them in these, like, glass tubes, I guess, to keep everybody safe, but they ultimately get out, and they're, they're dying, and they're buddies, they're best friends. It's so sad. And they see uh, Amara on... Actually, is it a, no? They see um, no. It's Danny, Danny at this point on the on the platform thing, and glow because the the lever gets thrown, and Danny is now losing her powers. Yep. And Glowworm and and Bulk crawl over to the lever, and they're like, oh, "The lever the lever has multiple positions. There's three positions: neutral, power remover, and position three. Let's put it in position three, and maybe it'll restore Danny's powers. Ugh. And then they die." Well, it's it's not Adam. You, you just it's so sad because Glowworm and Bulk are making their way there, and and Glowworm, he's the little guy. He's a little green guy with like a like a worm tail. He's he's slithering over there, and he's like tired, so tired. He's halfway to the lever, and Bulk's like, "You just rest there a little. I can do it." And he does it, and then he flips the switch and says, "Not such a bad way to go." After all. And they die. Sad. Bulk and Glowworm in a world they never made. (laughs) Anyways. uh, Blah, blah, blah. A bunch of stuff happens. Uh, So what what the uh, lever-throwing thing does do is gives... uh, It it kind of changes Danny's power. So now... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before you say that, it should be noted that earlier in the issue, there were some training sequences... And it's Danny's turn to do a training sequence after Cannonball. I think it was Cannonball. doesn't matter. And uh, Magneto's like, you are the least effective of all of the new mutants. You don't have physical powers, so you need to rely on physical strength because your powers aren't aren't as effective as everybody else's powers. Yeah, I was skipping over that part because it's part of the dumb stuff. It is part of the dumb stuff, but it's it's kind of like a, we set this up and here's where we're going to knock it down. Uh, or or fall over. <laughs> I think this is actually kind of a neat premise. Um, I think it's. I think there are parts about it that are neat. Like I like what they do with Danny's power. So now her power is. Before she was able to uh, pull out projections of your worst fears or your happy thoughts, depending on what you were thinking at the time. Well, now those things are made uh, physical. And she can only have one at a time, though. So if she if she does somebody else's, then that erases the other one. So they get attacked by some demons and this alien-looking thing. And, uh, yeah, they, it's, a, it's an upgrade to her power. And she's like, I can't control it. What am I going to do? Uh, 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 and she eventually realizes that she can summon her spirit spear or spirit lance i guess that's what she calls it and when she does that 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 kind of is her her balance uh 
her control. So she's able to conjure this, these things that she can't control. And when they get out of hand, she can summon her spirit lance. But the downside is she always has to have her spirit lance with her. That's kind of obnoxious. Right. Also, right. Uh, Magneto and the Hellfire Club show up. And I feel like there should be a theme song for this panel on page 36 where they're busting in. Uh, and... Whoa, 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 wait. Let's, okay. I have so many problems with this. Well, okay, two. One, Celine's hair is red. What? Yeah, it's supposed to be black. Unless, unless, two, unless we have a new black queen. Two, why is Sebastian Shaw wearing a diaper? <laughs> and three, why did the artist put, put Celine, Celine's hand right over Sebastian Shaw's crotch? It looks like she's grabbing his crotch. Yeah. It, Not even grabbing it. She's like car- caressing it. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I've been waiting for this moment. Finally, we're in our superhero costumes and Shaw. I love that Shaw costume. And whoopsie. I just move somebody over to the left or to the right. Yeah. Little artist there, or, you know. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder, this would be an awesome prank. If, and, and I don't think it would work prospectively, but but if, if originally the art, the artist drew her arm like, like behind her as as they're running, like her. So her 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 right arm is like in front of her, and her left arm is behind her. And the original drawing has her arm behind Sebastian Shaw in a running pose. But the inker's like, oh no, I know where this <laughs> arm's going because the 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 glove is all black. So he's like, nope, we're gonna put that arm right there, and and when and we're not gonna like offset the hand from his crotch. We're going to encircle his crotch. <laughs> It's a it's a weird choice that I'm surprised got left in a comic book. It is very weird. It's a very weird choice. But honestly, I didn't notice that until you made it. You you <laughs> mentioned it because it's just like here comes Magneto and the Hellfire Club. They're all running in, scratching your crotch if you're wearing a diaper. Oh, she's not scratching anything. <laughs> uh, but yes, also. Uh, Sebastian Shaw, who is just wearing a white loincloth, is a little silly. I mean, these are supposed to be like wealthy people who uh, socialites, I guess, if you will, philanthropists. Who's not going to be like, hey, is that wealthy industrialist Sebastian Shaw in his underwear? (laughs) That's weird. (laughs) Yeah, nobody's wearing a mask. I don't know. At least... Uh, the last time we saw Shaw in action was, I think, X-Men 209, where they fight Nimrod. He at least had, like, a jumpsuit on or something. He could put on, like, a vest for crying out loud. But maybe Shaw's like, look, if Celine's going to give me this sort of action, I'm going to keep wearing the loincloth. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going to complain. But anyways, yeah. So the new mutants uh, see that the the Hellfire ganger showed up, so they they disappear, but not before they hear Magneto uh, say out loud, "They have almost foiled our plans for Amara." Which is why would he say that out loud? Uh, it's a plot device. Yeah, it's uh, it's another piece of the stupidity. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the new mutants escape uh, with Amara, and then they sit around and they're like, "Oh, I wonder what they meant by the Hellfire Club having plans for you." That feels bad. And then they return her to Nova Roma with her father, and everything's happy. And we get this. We get a backup story where uh, Danny learns to shrink her her. Uh, her spear down to tiny miniature size so that it's easy to carry. It's it's a fun little story. It's a fun she bumps into a cop and yeah, they go back and forth. It's a fun little 
little story about what would happen if you had this power and you're like, oh, I have a cool car, but but I get pulled over because I'm going too fast and, and I don't have a driver's license and I've got this weird license plate and now I've turned it into a flying horse and the cop's like, you're on drugs. Wait, maybe I'm on drugs. It's very 80s. <laughs> but yes, the, uh, the end result is because uh, at the end of the proper annual she's like well it's great that i can control my power but now i gotta carry this giant lance around with me all over the place she figures out that she can turn it into a little necklace and she meets up with magneto later who's like boy that's a really nice necklace honestly why is this a separate story instead of a prologue i don't know it's written by the same person and drawn by the same person and in fact magneto's like yeah, well, we went off to go save Amara, but she was teleported away, which is weird. Yeah, which he says, you know, I think that they tell that the purifiers teleported her away because they were scared of the Hellfire Club. Is essentially what he says. Right. Um, Stupid. Having it be its own story would have worked if it was just well, its own story and not like the bookend to the story that we just read. It's weird. It 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 is essentially an epilogue. Yeah. It doesn't say it is, but it is. And then there's, I didn't read this. There's like a high evolutionary chapter that we'll talk about that at another, I'm going to, I'm going to, I mean, it, it is, it's, it's, this is, this is the thing that I mentioned that I've, I tried to read several times and fell asleep at least three times trying to get, but I got through all of them. I wonder who the architect of the evolutionary war is and if he got fired. (laughs) It's actually, I mean, not horrible. Well, when we get there, you can tell us all about it because I've got no idea. I, I didn't either, and now now I've got all this useless information in my head. Woo! <laughs> well, it takes us to Marvel Comics Presents number five. Uh, yeah, Wolverine has a trippy dream, and then he almost drowns, and then he's saved by Jess and Owen, and then recovering, he has a bandage over his head. It's over one eye, and I think I think they're getting ready to show us Patch. That was what I got from this issue. Did you get any other takeaways? No. Um, it was fun to read. Kind of, you know, I, like we've talked about Adventure Spy. Wolverine's not really doing much Wolverine stuff. He's just kind of getting the crap kicked out of him and hallucinating. But. Yeah, this was basically a big hallucination. Um, at the end of it where she hugs him and goes, you saved me, Wolverine. She has a big, or uh, Wolverine has a big, like, question mark, exclamation mark, question mark. Like, ooh, and I couldn't tell if it was, ooh, she's hugging me or... Ooh, how does she know I'm Wolverine? Or I, I didn't know what was going on. I think it's that he's like, what do you mean? I've just been hallucinating here this whole time. <laughs> I have no idea. It was strange. Well, it's worth the, it's, yeah, it's all worth the read, but really nothing of consequence happens. And then a quick uh, Alpha Flight touch up just because the X-Men have a cameo in it. Uh, Alpha Flight 61, Alpha Flight is on worldwide televised trial. Uh, they're they're on trial with the Canadian government and the world is of course watching as you always do in the Marvel universe. And the X-Men are watching in two panels and Wolverine says something about like, Hey, the X-Men are invisible right now. So I'm not going to go help them, but they've been in tougher spots. They'll be fine. And it's all drawn by Jim Lee. So that's fun. Oh, I don't have this. So I, what, is it good Jim Lee or is it early bad Jim Lee? It is early. I, I don't know that Jim Lee's ever been bad per se, but um, it is not inked by Scott Williams, so it's not it's not it's not X Men Jim Lee. Gotcha. 
but it is it's it's formative Jim Lee with a different inker. Okay. So fair. it's it's yeah, he's he's doing all of Alpha Flight right now, which so I've been kind of reading through it and it's good. He's he's good. He he draws Purple Girl just like Jubilee, so that's kind of fun. No. When you say he's doing all of Alpha Flight, is he writing it too? Oh no, I just mean drawing. Oh. Who's I mean I mean he's doing every issue of Alpha Flight currently. I I don't uh know who the writer is, but I can look it up. Somebody. <laughs> Somebody writes everything. Somebody who's a writer, I would imagine. Interestingly enough, Alpha Flight and Power Pack are a dollar twenty-five right now, and it's because they're they're on that premium special paper. And I think they were only available in comic book shops. That yep, that's that's another thing about it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Bill Mantlo. Oh, okay, that's solid. I do remember buying. I mean, so spoilers: the Bogeyman comes back, and I remember buying that issue because it was an Inferno tie-in, and I was big into the Inferno storyline, and I do remember thinking to myself a this is an expensive comic book but b the paper is so much nicer and the colors are so much more vivid yeah so there's that in quicksilver news um he declared that he was going to be the next magneto in west coast avengers and then got back together with the inhumans so i he's all over the place it's like they're not it's like they're not uh coordinating with each other when writing quicksilver that he still seems like he's pretty crazy, though. That does tend to happen in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Well, good. Uh, there you go. That's all we got for this week. Wasn't that enough? What, you want more? Yeah. Well, if you want more, why don't you go out to www.patreon.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Except minus the podcast. Right. Because that would take you to somewhere else. That would take you to an error page. Just go to <laughs> patreon.com forward slash danger room and give us money and we'll give you more content. Yay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else, Adam? No, sir. Good. I mean, uh, <laughs> then until next time, everybody, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. <laughs>